um, I've never been to the Great Salt Lake. <laughs> now, I've heard about it, <clears throat> and that's partly why I haven't been to the Great Salt Lake. And I've smelled it, which is another reason I haven't been to the Great Salt Lake. Um, but let me just ask, how many of you in here have never been to the Great Salt Lake? Okay, about half, maybe, maybe half of us. All right, absolutely. Well, I'm kind of lying. When I was eight years old, my mom and dad drove us from Michigan all the way to California, and we stopped here in Salt Lake, and I got to float in the lake. But, um, but really, by, by, my name is Dave Nelson. Um, I'm a pastor here at K2 The Church, and just want to say, uh, really welcome you uh, to our service today. As we're in a, a series talking about water, and uh, what's interesting about the Great Salt Lake is uh, a word I've never heard of before, but as I was uh, doing some research... The Salt Lake is what's called endoric. Anybody know what endoric means? Okay, probably not. I didn't either. Here's the definition of endoric. It's a closed drainage basin that retains water and allows no outflow to other bodies of water such as rivers or oceans. So, see, the Great Salt Lake is endoric. It means everything that goes in there, it's not, it has no way to get outside of itself. And this is kind of funny because um, normally we, you know, you can talk about the scripture because the, uh, the original New Testament was written in the language of Greek, but endoric is actually two Greek words and it means to flow within. And so it means it just happens inside and it never goes outside. And then I was reading this, uh, Salt Lake is the largest terminal lake in the Western hemisphere. Now, aren't we proud of that? You know, you know, here's what's funny is the name. Do you guys notice the name? It's the largest what? Terminal. Now, when you hear the word terminal, what are you thinking? It, it just, it dies. It's terminal. Nothing is living. And here's the point. When something comes inside, all right, and, and, it, and it comes inside and it has no outflow, like the Great Salt Lake, it's endoric. It means there's no life to this thing. Now, I grew up in Michigan. We didn't have the Great Salt Lake, but we had lots of swamps. So if you were here uh, in the beginning as we uh, showed videos of swamps and, and then sang the swamp song, um, what's interesting is I thought all swamps were endoric, which meant that there wasn't any way for the water to actually get out. And that's why they were so, so rank, which is interesting, right? If you were here in the opening song or in the opening video, this guy, he just goes into the swamp and he pulls up this really gross, disgusting mud and he sniffs it and he says, man, smells like a lot of people in a small room, right? And that's the thing. If you, I had a swamp in our backyard, if you went farther enough back and they stink in the great salt lake, when the wind blows, it stinks and it's not life giving. Here's what was interesting is I, I, I tried to understand a swamp a little bit more. What they say about swamps is that they are characterized by very slow moving water. Now the swamp in my backyard, there was no moving water. It just gathered and it was just gross. But you know, a river can be going along and then if water gets off outside of the river and just starts to gather, right? Next thing you know, the algae will start to, to creep on top of it. The flies will start to come around, the mosquitoes. And because the water stops moving, it turns into a swamp. So now here's the deal. We're doing this series called H2O because God uses the metaphor of water all the time, all through the scriptures, to help us to understand things. And I love that fact that he uses things that we understand, that we experience on a physical level, to show us some deep spiritual truths. And here's the reality. I didn't find the word swamp in the scriptures, okay? So this might be good news because what God is saying to us today is that none of us in this life, his plan for your life is to not be a swamp. It's not to be endoric, okay? Which maybe you could say it's to not be a dork, all right? So that we'll just go over there. God's plan is for your life not to stink, to not be a stench, to not when people talk about it, like when the people talk about the Salt Lake, the last thing you want to do is even be near it. No, the word we're going to look at today is that God's desire for you. And every time he talks about what will happen, if you will let him into your life, is that you'll become a stream. He uses the word stream. He uses the word rivers. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, the thing I love most about streams and rivers are the sound. How many of you love the sound of a stream and river? Oh, man, I tell you, if I could, I would build a house and I would have my window right, I'd build it right next. Oh, there we go. Very nice. 
Patrick told me, make sure, no, yeah, don't be alarmed if everybody gets up and has to go to the bathroom while, while you listen to this. Um, but I, I seriously, like my buddy and I, one time we uh, drove all the way from Michigan to come out to the Tetons and stuff. And one time we just, we stopped and we just pulled our car to the side of the road and we just got out and grabbed our pillows. And I just, we just laid right next to the stream. I, I just, I love that sound of the river. In fact, lots of times that's where I study. I'll just, I'll just charge up my computer, get it up to about five hours worth on my computer, and I'll just go up to Mill Creek and sit there at one of the picnic tables and make that my office and just listen to the stream and watch it as it goes by. Because there's something about the streams. They're just, they're enticing. They're life-giving, and that's what you'll find. I'm just going to read for you some scriptures. Throughout, most of them are from the Old Testament, where God used this analogy, and here's what you're going to see is every time God spoke of streams or rivers, he was talking about life. A stream always represented life. And so when God says, if you let me in, I'm going to create life within you, he wanted people to understand that. Now, especially as we go on this, you got to understand that most of the Israelite experience was in a desert situation. And so water was critical just to survive. And if there was a stream anywhere... That's where life would congregate because they knew they could live. Listen to these verses. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. See, so again, God is saying is, listen, you guys know this. If there's a tree, especially in this culture, and it gets planted next to a stream, that stream is going to provide life to that tree and it's going to grow and it's going to be producing fruit. That's what's going to happen. It's going to prosper. Psalm 42.1 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you my God. And I, I, this is a very popular verse because this picture, you can see a deer knowing that they have need, they have thirst, and they know that they've got to find a stream of water to be able to satisfy that need. And here's what God is telling us. Your soul thirsts for God. Now, I'll be honest with you that we have this other part of our nature. It's called, you can call it the sinful nature. You can call it flesh. I call it the nature that's just bent towards ourself. There's this whole part of us that doesn't thirst after God. Maybe some of you don't really thirst after him. But what the Bible says is, even when you don't feel thirsty for God, your soul thirsts for God. It's what is needed for your soul. Amos chapter 5. This is an Old Testament prophet. And here's, this is really interesting. God is saying this. He goes, he's talking to the Israelites, and he says, I hate, in fact, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. So basically what God was saying is, you know what? When you guys gather together for church, I hate it. Isn't that weird? I mean, you think like, wait, wait a second. I'm gathering for church here, God. I'm, I'm celebrating you. He goes, you're a natural stench to me. He goes, you're a swamp. You're, you're the salt lake when you have church. He goes on, even though you bring burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. This is great. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Stop the worship, he says. I hate it. Isn't that interesting? And then he goes on, he says this. But let justice roll on like a river. Let righteousness like a never-failing stream. See, what God was frustrated with them at that time is they were really religious people who loved to gather, to gather together and somehow feel like they could manipulate God by saying, hey, we're at church. So maybe now you'll do what I want you to do. Maybe now you'll bless me. And God was going, wait, wait, wait. What's this all about? If you're here and it's all about you, oh, he's just, you know, pew. He's just like, that type of religious thing, I'm not interested in. Jesus, when he showed up on the scene, very religious people. And all he could do was say, I'm so frustrated with your religious stuff. Get rid of the religious stuff. And instead, be like a rolling river. Be like a never-failing stream. How do I do that? You take what you get and you live it out. You're a stream. 
It's never just about this. It's about taking it and rolling it out. And then here's some amazing prophecy that we'll talk about today. Isaiah 43. God says, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and I'm putting streams in the wasteland. So this was a prophecy and he's saying, I'm doing something new, you guys. Can you see it? I'm going to actually put a stream in the wasteland. Here's what I love about God. They knew wastelands back then. They experienced a lot of them. They roamed around in deserts. And if they could find a stream again, then they found life. And God is saying, I am going to put streams in wastelands. Now, he's not talking physically, you guys. He's talking about us. I'm going to take hearts that feel like deserts, and I'm going to put streams in them. I'm going to take lives that feel like wastes, that feel like a wasteland, and I'm going to bring new life into it. I'm doing something new. Oh, and then it gets really good in Isaiah 44. He says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land, and I'll put streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And then they will spring up like grass in a meadow and like poplar trees by flowing streams. See, what God was doing is he's gonna, he, was, he was testifying, he was prophesying about what he was going to do through Christ. He had a new thing that he was going to do. And it's such beautiful imagery. I'm going to pour, there it is, not trickle. I'm going to pour my spirit on your children's children and this is going to bring new life. And man, these guys who lived in deserts, if grass was springing up like a meadow, that was life. If there were poplar trees popping up near streams, it was life. So this is, this is the imagery, you guys. This is why we're talking about streams today. Every time God uses streams, and he knew, especially in that culture, it's harder for us because we just turn on water in our faucet. But in that culture, they relied on clean water coming in streams. And wherever streams were, civilizations popped up because they could live there. Okay, now let's go to Jesus. You guys ready? John chapter four. Jesus is at a well. And here's what you gotta love about Jesus again. He's always just taken normal life, people, the things that people experienced, and then he brings spiritual principles out of them. So he's sitting at a well and a woman comes and she's ready to, to go down and dig up the water because that's what they need, right? They got to come to the well. The women would walk to the well and to drink, to have food, uh, to have water to cook, to have water to clean, whatever you needed. She had to come and she had to get it. There was a need and she came for that water. And here's what Jesus says to her in chapter four. Jesus told her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water. And it will well up to eternal life. It's beautiful. We're going to talk about that later in just a second. Here's a second passage. Three, three chapters later, John chapter 7. Um, let, let's go right here. It says, On the last and greatest day of the feast... And let me explain what the feast was. One of the coolest things, you guys, that you see about God is God knew that the Israelites would need to remember that he really was good. God knew that life is hard and life is tough and you've got to remember that I am faithful. And so here's what I love about God is God commanded the Israelites to party, okay? This is awesome. That's what a feast is. Okay? He, he's not talking tofu here. Okay? He's not talking the salad here. He's talking, I want you to feast. And they were called festivals. And so he would provide these amazing times where he'd call the people in. He said, I want you to absolutely celebrate. I want you to throw parties. And you guys, what's so cool, this was called the Feast of the Tabernacles. And this wasn't just, hey, come together for a couple hours and then go home. This feast, this festival lasted all week long. You guys can catch this real quick. You have a God who likes to party. Is that awesome? 
Now, seriously, seriously, we miss this part of God. In fact, here at K2, once a year, we actually, because of this, we throw a celebration for, we have this group that people who've just said, man, we're all in. We have this thing that you can join called the crash. And it's just where you say, man, this is where I'm going to totally live out my faith. And I'm going to completely be committed to this church. So every year we throw one of these festivals just to praise God and to remember how good he has been to us and cast his vision. And sometimes people are like, you shouldn't be doing that. And I'm like, well, wait a second. God commanded these guys. We're only getting together for two hours. They did it for seven days. And here's what happened. And and what it was, it was a feast of the tabernacles. It was at the end of the harvest. And so when the harvest had already been taken in and they gathered all their grapes and all their grain and all of their stuff and they stored it away, God said, when that's done, I want you to come back and remember the only reason you were able to harvest is why. Because I sent you rain. Because I provided for you what you needed so that you could thrive and so that you could live. Come and celebrate my faithfulness to you. That's what this festival was all about. And here's what happened. Every day for seven days, a priest would go to the pool of Siloam and he'd grab a big bucket of water. And then they would have a procession. They'd have a big parade. And this happened every day for seven days. And the, horn, and the trumpets came out and they blasted these trumpets and they had this huge procession as the priest carried this bowl of water. In fact, one rabbi early on said, if you have never seen joy until you have seen the joy that takes place in the procession of the Feast of the Tabernacles. This was an absolute crazy celebration. And then the priest, once he got to the temple, he would go up to the altar and there was a bowl there and he'd pour the water in the bowl. And then the bowl would have a tube and it would come down and it would go into the bottom and the base, the base of the temple or of the altar. And on the other side of the altar, they had another bowl and they poured wine into that side to celebrate the fruitfulness. The water produced the harvest and then both the wine and the water would gather together And they did that every single day for seven days. Huge celebration, feasts. God is faithful. God gave us what we need to live. Now, let's go on with the rest of the passage. On the last and the greatest day of the feast, after they had seen this seven times, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. See, Jesus knew what to do. After seven days of the people realizing, man, it was God's faithfulness to us. Why we have the harvest. Let's celebrate God because God gives us what we need to live. After celebrating that, celebrating that, celebrating that, Jesus stands up when it's all at the, at the greatest moment of the feast. And he says, listen, do you really want to live? Do you really want to live? If you will believe in me, streams of living water. They've seen the streams all week long. Streams of living water will flow from within you. You guys, I'm I'm really pumped to share this with you today. And I, I think you should be glad that you're here. Because what God is telling you today is you, his plan for you, is that not one single human being should be living a life like a swamp. There is no human life that should be a stench. There's no human life that needs to be. Jesus Christ has done everything necessary so that life that has no outlet, life that has just lived for itself, can finally be broken apart This dam that keeps that in can be busted out and streams of living water can flow. And here's what's going to happen today if you want it to. Stuff can happen in you today because that's what both these passages said. He goes, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink and springs of living water will well up where? 
within you. So literally, he's saying that water, living water, his spirit can well up and fill you up. And we're going to talk about that. And then he says, and if that happens, that is going to spring up. And now from within you, from within streams of living water are going to flow out of your life. Here, God is so good. And he wants you to have life in you and he wants to produce life through you to this hurting and broken world. So here's what we got to do. We got to pray, man, right now. Because you have a great choice today. You can either come to church and go home and not your belt and do another religious service that God calls stench. Or you could open your heart right now to God. You could. And here's what could happen. For some of you, you're here and you, you, you're, you seriously, you're, you're like my honored guest. If you're here today and you're just wondering about Christianity, you're wondering about God, if you came with a friend and you're on a journey of just searching, I just, I just want to encourage you to open your heart today and say, God, really? Could you put a spring of living water in me? See, because a spring is a source. Could you put a source of life within me? And just ask him that question today. And if you want, you could say, I'm open to that. That'd be really cool. Now, and here's a, and then for all of you in this room who are Christians, and you have a spring in you, and yet, you, if you could be honest with yourself, you feel like your life is a wasteland. You've received the Spirit of God. The, the spring is in you. And yet right now, you know your life, if you're going to say, it's kind of stinks. It's kind of got a stench to it right now. I'm not being a blessing to the people around me. My wife, my husband, my kids, my coworkers, there's something's happened, right? And this is why this is such a great passage today. Because you need to know today, and I need to know this. In fact, I, I lived with this all week long. And as I was living with it, I'm even finding it within a week, Right? I'm sometimes I'm flowing and sometimes I'm damned up. And I just want, I'm so excited today to know that God says through Jesus, if you would believe in me, streams of living water will flow from you. So if you're a follower of Jesus today, but you're dry and you're stinky, and you know right now that people are not attracted right now, that's, it's, it's causing problems. You don't have to walk out of here the same way. Is that not good news? You do not have to walk out of here the same way. So all you got to do is have soil that's good, that's ready to hear the word of God. And here's why we got to pray. Because I know this, if you will hear God's voice today, not just mine, his, you have a chance to never be the same. Okay, so let's pray. God, thank you for this word. Thank you that your word is living and that it's active Thank you as we digest this thing today that it's going to give you every opportunity to speak to the deepest places of our hearts. Thank you, God, that your desire and your will for us is to have streams of living water flowing from within us. Thank you that you want to rescue us from lives that have no outlet, from lives that are just consumed within, from lives that eventually become a stench and lives that breed no life. Thank you. So Lord, I just want to ask, would you just say whatever you want to say today? Please help me just to be faithful to say only what you want to say so that everybody in here can actually hear from you. Would you help us to not be the same as the way we walked in in Jesus' name? Amen. All right. So, so here's a few things you notice in both these passages. The first thing that Jesus starts off with in both of these is thirst. Thirst. And you know, so, so again, we've all been thirsty. And sometimes we desire water, and sometimes we like need water. And every animal has this unbelievable instinct that just knows it needs water. So, and God gave us thirst. And so what, here's what he's saying to you. Just as physically you thirst and you realize you need something outside of yourself to satisfy that thirst, and it's a need that you have, spiritually, you're going to be thirsty. Spiritually, you're going to have needs. 
And what Jesus, is, and so he just addresses that. So let's just talk about what would be some of those thirsts that you have? What are some of the spiritual needs that you have? Because he says, if you're thirsty, then come to me. I, I tell you, the first one that hit me is just the need to know that you're significant. Every human being has a need to know that you matter, that you are valuable, that you're not just a lost number in the mass of humanity, but that specifically, uniquely, you are who you are and you are valuable. And what's crazy, you guys, is every human being needs to know that. And so what we do is we work really hard, right? And we try to, we try to achieve things and we try to have status and we try to have money. We try to have possessions. We try to look a certain way. We try to do anything we can so that somehow somebody might look at us and say, hey, you're valuable. Now, you know the problem with all those, right? It's because as soon as that's not there, then what are you? You're not valuable. So God is saying, hey, I got a better way. So are you thirsty to know that you matter? Are you thirsty to know? Do you have a need to know that you're significant? Jesus has come to me. I'll, I'll, I'll totally take care of that thirst. And then I was thinking of purpose. Some, it's different than significance. Sometimes you can feel love, but you're just like, man, what am I here for? What, am, what do I got? I, I just tell you, the scriptures are clear that when God knits you together, he actually, you are his idea. And he knew exactly why you're here. And he has plans for you. He knows before one of your days ever came to be, every day was written for you. And so we're out here though, and we're constantly searching, what am I here for? And I need my job again to give me purpose, or I need this to give me, or I need a relationship to give me purpose. What am I here for? And God is saying, come to me. Man, if you would just let me have your life, that's how I, I created you so I could have your life. And if you'd let me have it, you will find your purpose. Here's the third one, is all of every single one needs love. We so thirst for real relationship and real community. Every human being needs that. And God knows that. And so he says, come to me, come to me, and let me take care of that thirst. Peace, hope, inner strength, wisdom, guidance. I'm telling you, the list goes on and on. You have needs, and here's what's so cool. Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come to me. And if you will drink the water that I give you, you will not thirst anymore. So he got thirst, and that's what he says. So what are you going to do if you have thirst? He goes, drink. See, here's this while. I wish I had my bottle of water here. When you take a bottle of water and you drink, what you're doing is you're taking something that's outside of you and you're putting it inside you. It's something that you don't possess. You don't possess, you're 70% water, and yet you don't possess that in you to sustain you. You actually need something outside of you that you drink in. And so Jesus is just saying the same thing. If you're thirsty, you've got to bring something that's outside of you, and you've got to get it inside of you, and that's the only way that your spiritual need is actually going to be satisfied. You have to receive from God. And here's the crazy thing. How does that happen? How do we receive from God? You know what Jesus says? You got to believe. You got to believe. The guy comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what good things must I do? You know, he says, what work must I do? And Jesus says, the work of God is what? To believe. See, what we want to do is when we sense this hunger and this thirst inside of us is we want to figure it out and we want to do the right things and we want to somehow fix everything. And Jesus is saying, it doesn't work that way. The only way that you are actually going to receive what's going to take care of the burden of your soul is you got to believe in me. It's all by faith, you guys. It's not by works. And by the way, that's really good news. It's good news that you don't have to work for this. You just got to simply believe. And here's what he says in John chapter 1, verse 12. It says that anyone who receives Christ, who believes in his name, he gives the right to become a child of God, born of God. You know what Jesus called? If you, if you look in here again, he says what? Streams of living water will flow from within you. And by this, he said he meant what? The Spirit of God. When you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you put your trust in Him, 
then what God says is, guess what? I am going to put a spring, a source of living water that you don't have within yourself, and you're not going to have to keep drinking. I'm going to stick it inside you. I'm going to put my spirit inside you. I said this, I've said this a few times here, you guys. Sometimes when somebody in our culture, if you really want to be spiritual, then you, then you become a Buddhist, all right? Or if you really want to be spiritual, you, you get into kind of the, the new age or you think about, there's, there's all this spiritual stuff out there. And when they look at the church, they don't think this is spiritual. I just want to tell you, there is nothing further from the truth because if you truly believe, if you put your faith in the Son of God, you will have the most dramatic spiritual transformation that will completely change who you are. Because Jesus says the very Spirit of God will come and be inside of you. Okay? So two things as you walk out of here today. Two things I want you to know. The first one is this. Drinking results in springs. Drinking results in springs. And that's what he calls drinking. He just says, when you drink, what you're doing, you're saying, I believe. And every time you put your faith in God, every time you trust him. And you guys, by the way, this is a, here's a problem. As many of us, you sitting out there right now, you're like, man, I believe. You know? And the Bible actually says, okay, well, it takes a little more than just saying that you believe Jesus is the Son of God. Because then he says, even the demons believe that. Okay? And they're not quite experiencing this thing I'm talking about. <laughs> so somehow, you can actually believe that Jesus is the Son of God but never actually put your faith in him? See, what real belief is, is when you trust him, when you completely take him at his word and you trust him with your life. It's that act of actual faith that makes the transaction real. And what he says is when you drink that, when you believe, then what's going to happen is the spring is going to well up within you. You have a source. You know, it's just crazy to me. I have a, I know that the very spirit of God is living inside of me. And I have that source. And so when I think about that, you guys, and so what does the Bible tell me about that source? I, I, we mention it here a lot. The Bible describes what the spirit of God is like. It uses the term fruits of the spirit, right? You know what the fruit of the spirit is? Again, so when you have this source and it wells up within you, that source is love, joy, peace. Is that enough? I mean, I mean that's good. Patience. That's why I know I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. See, what Jesus is saying is, if you're thirsty, everything you need Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. The wisdom straight from God through the Spirit is yours. <coughs> Excuse me. That is all. It's coming to you and it's yours. One of my favorite verses is Romans 5.5. 5, and it says that, the, that um, hope doesn't disappoint us because God pours his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he gives us. You guys, the greatest message of Christianity is that you could have a spring of living water inside of you that would well up and fill you up in every way so that you could have life as you were created to have. And it's God. So let's ask this question. Why am I not experiencing that? Okay, all you Christians out there, where's the love? Where's the peace? Where's the joy? Where's the inner strength? Where is it? See, when that's happening, and that's why I'm saying, like, this week for me, it was almost like I was really frustrated because I'm like, God, I'm thinking about this, and I still, what's going on? Where is it? Here's what you got to remember. When that's not happening, the issue is not religious activity. The issue is you're not what? Believing. Somehow, there's something that we don't believe there's something about God that he says is true about him that we're not buying. 
And I know for me, I, I just, when I start freaking out and anxiety gets produced within me or, or, or fear or I start fearing empty inside, all that kind of stuff, one of the biggest things I know is I will start to buy the lie that God doesn't love me. I'll start to buy the lie that he doesn't really care for me. I'll start to buy the lie that he's not going to be with me and he's not going to forsake me. I start to buy the lie because the scriptures say that God works in all things together for the good. He'll t- he doesn't mean he makes everything happen. It's he says, I will work in any situation and I will move it to the good of every person who loves me. Well, see, so then when I'm freaking out, what am I believing? See, I'm believing that he's not going to do that. I'm believing that he doesn't care. See, the scripture says, hey, you want some suffering? No, suffering means God doesn't love me. No, suffering is there because it produces perseverance and perseverance gives you um, character. And when character grows up, you finally have hope. And see, but we buy the lie to say, if I'm suffering, then God doesn't love me. That's not in the scripture. In fact, Jesus said, here's another thing we buy. We we buy a lie. Jesus comes up and says, hey, guess what? In this world, you're gonna have trouble. See, well, we're like, hey, I have trouble. What's wrong? See, we forgot to believe that Jesus said what? You're going to have trouble. So when we have trouble, like, why are we freaking out? Because Jesus said, you're going to have trouble. And then he goes on, he says, in fact, when hardship comes, it's just your dad who's just disciplining you. He's training you up so that eventually you're sharing his holiness. And then it's never pleasant at the time, but later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. See, but when we're in the hardship, what are we thinking? God doesn't love me anymore. But that's not what the Bible says. What's the Bible says? No, he's really loving you right now. Because he's producing within you a character so that you can actually have a harvest of righteousness and peace. Do you guys, you guys catching this? See, so what's happening somehow when we're freaking out or when life is not happening, when, 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 when the living presence of God is not filling me up, I can almost always go to an issue that says, you know what, I'm not believing something. Here's one for you. About 15 to 20 years ago, it's just, it, was, it was just one of my darkest moments ever where I just totally fell into sin. Now, how many of you feel crappy when you totally fall into sin? Okay. See, I, and I did. And it's, it, what's really fun is when you're pastor and you totally fall into sin. You, I, I don't know if you guys know that. We, there's no special covering around pastors. And so, but you hate it. So here I am and I'm in this total funk and I'm caught up in the darkness, whipping myself, and I got shame, and I just feel crappy for what I've done. And then, it was really funny. I read this passage where it said that streams of living water flow from everyone who believes in me. I'm like, well, the last thing I got right now is streams. I got no streams at all. So you know what I did? I just stopped, and I said, well, then the issue must must be what? I'm not believing something. Somehow I'm buying a lie here. And you know what it was? This was, and I've shared this many times here at K2. This was the first time I felt like I heard the Spirit of God. Again, this is a very living relationship. It was the first time I felt like I heard the Spirit of God say to me, oh, you're right, Dave. He was being sarcastic. He He goes, oh yeah, Dave, you're right. That was the one sin that wasn't in Jesus' body when he was on the tree. You guys catch that? See, I'm teaching people about the gospel, that all of your sin is totally covered, that there's nothing that you have done that Jesus hasn't forgiven you for. And then I sin, and I won't believe what I tell everybody else. And it was in that moment where I'm realizing, I think that God has total wrath towards me, and he has shame towards me. And I forgot, no, he poured all of his wrath and all of his shame on Jesus Christ. And what I just did right there was in Christ's body when he was on the tree, and it was completely forgiven. How many of you sit and wallow in your sin because you think there's no way that God can forgive you? You're believing a lie from the pit of hell. You gotta believe that all of it was done. And here's what was crazy is I went, yeah. And I just, and I rose up and I chose in that moment to believe the gospel and I put my absolute trust in Jesus Christ. And what was so cool is what did I have? Absolute freedom, completely You guys, that is what he wants you to experience. And so you've got to believe. You've got to believe. So you've got to spend time. How how can we help ourselves to believe what is true? Man, I'm telling you, it's why you've got to be here. See, because everything out there is going to tell you that's not true. 
It's why you got to be in here on a regular basis. It's why you need to be in life together groups during the week so that you can be reinforced and around people who are going to encourage you on what is true. And I'm telling you guys, I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you again, there is no way I come close to continuing in my faith, continuing to believe so that the spirit of God will continue to well up within me. I cannot do it without reading this thing on a regular basis. I can't. Because otherwise, I'll start thinking what I think. And I'll start buying the patterns of this world, which are nothing like God's ways. And I'll start buying the lie of the enemy, that I'm a messed up person that God is ashamed of. It's not true. You've got to be in this thing. And you've got to let God tell you what is true over and over and over and over again. You guys, you know, you know what's so interesting? Um, I, as I shared last week, I finally learned that water is very healthy for me. And so I've been drinking a lot this week. Okay? So, do you guys know what happens when you drink a lot of water? Okay, some of you have done that. Um, so, uh, so seriously, I can't believe how much I got to go to the freaking bathroom. And, and, and so it was so frustrating. Even on Friday, I was working on this message, and I couldn't even keep a train of thought because every 20 minutes, I got to get up and go to the bathroom. And I was in the library, right? And I'm wearing my flip-flops, and they're all noisy. You know, flop, flop, flop. And it was just a pain in the butt. But here's one thing. As I was walking to the bathroom, I got this illustration for you. Um, seriously, when you drink a lot of water, what happens? It flushes out the toxins. You drink, and if you don't drink, they stay in there, and then they mess with you. But if you keep drinking in, physically, again, here's God taking a physical metaphor, saying, I created this, so if you drink, it'll get the stuff out of you. You guys, if you will continue to take in God's word on Sundays and life together groups and just in your own personal life, if you will believe every time you take God at his word and you trust him and you take a step of faith and you go out, you know what happens? It starts revealing to you all the junk that's inside of you. And the more time I spend with God, the more he flushes out the stuff in my life that's not good. I finally see it for what it is and it just gets out. I'm telling you, you, some of you, some of you, all you do is you take a sip of water on Sunday. And then you go all week long and you come back the next Sunday and go, okay, Nelson, you better have something for me because I'm dying. <laughs> I'm thirsty. Bring it on, you know? And then, man, God, for, God have mercy on your soul. If you're going to depend on us to be your source, you should be drinking all week long. And then you come here and you're like, oh, bring it on. You got something to bring. You got something to bring. All right? Now, that leads me to the second thing very quickly. Is drinking results not only in springs, but it results in streams. Drinking results in streams. You know why? Listen to this. Every time you believe and trust in God. Every time you trust him with when he teaches you something and you say yes to him, okay? Let me give you a few examples. So God comes to you and he says, hey, listen, I created sex and it's awesome as long as it's done in the confines of marriage. Any sexual activity that's outside of marriage is not my plan and there's no way that I can bring blessing into that. I can have nothing to do with that. So every time you say, yes, God, to that, then God's spirit can rise up within you. Every time God looks at you and says, hey, I need you to forgive that person the exact same way that I forgave you. And you rise up and you say, you know what, God? Absolutely, I'm gonna do that. You know what you do? You, you, you feed that, that, that well. You say, yes, you believed Every time that God says to you, you know what? Everything that I give to you, everything I give to you, I give to you for you so you can be a stream so that it can flow out. Believe me, if what I give to you, you hold in for yourself, swamp living. Swamp living. It's not my way. So every time you're generous with your time or with your gifts or with your finances, you just believe God. And every time you don't, you don't believe him. Here's what happens. Every time you take God at his word and you believe him, every time you say yes to God, the spirit wells up. 
the spring wells up and it wells up and there's more love. There's more freedom. There's more peace. There's more joy. Now what happens if a spring keeps welling up? It turns into a what? It turns into a river. That's how you become a stream. And so what God says through Jesus is this. If you believe in me, if you do, streams of living water will flow from within you. What's he saying? What he's saying is, if you actually trust me, not just do religious stuff, if you actually listen to me, then you will be a life that flows out towards others. You will experience my fruit of my spirit inside of you. And then the next thing you know, it will be pouring out and you will be a blessing to everybody around you. You guys, I'm just going to tell you, this is the truth. What Jesus is saying is this. You can know right now, if you're still caught in a life that is consumed with yourself, okay? I don't care if you're a Christian. If you, you can say you're a Christian all you want, okay? But what God is saying is, if you believe in me, then what you're going to experience is I'm going to start to fill you up and eventually you're going to pour out and you're going to start to bless everyone around you. So let me just ask you, if I asked your spouse today and I said, man, does this person pour out joy and peace and love and service and sacrifice to you? How about your kids? How about your coworkers? All week long, are you a stream of living water that's pouring out? So you guys, what's so great about what Jesus is offering you here today is this. When you believe in Jesus and you take him at his word. See, because here's what Jesus said. If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, some of you are sitting here going, wait, I've been in church my whole life. I believe Jesus is the son of God. Where's the streams? Well, he goes, "Um, okay, let me say it again. If you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples. Then you know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, if you don't hold on to his teachings, if you just learn them in your head, then you're like the Pharisees and the religious people who were tombs. Jesus said you're like a dead tomb inside. But what he's offering you today is a life that will fill you up every time and that will flow out of you. So I just want you to stop and I just want you to think about those things. And again, once it, it, it was so critical, my last thing here, I just, is we've got to believe what God says is true about him. And you've got to believe what he says is true about you. That if you have put your faith in Christ, you have received the Spirit of God and the spring is in there. He's in there. Now, all you gotta do is keep drinking, keep responding. Colossians 2.6 says, just as you received Christ as Lord, continue to live in him. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Prime that pump. The next thing you know, you'll be gushing out. You guys, can you imagine... Picture your home. Streams of love, streams of peace, streams of joy and patience flowing from you. Picture you as a, in your workplace. All of a sudden, bringing patience and kindness and self-control and faithfulness into your workplace. I just picture K2. What if, it, what, what if all of us in this room finally said, you know what, no more swamp, baby. I'm not going to be just about me. I'm going to put an outflow and become what God's created me to be. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Let's pray. God, thank you for this image of a stream. Thank you for the symbolism of life that it brings. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that we can have you dwelling, living inside of us. And God, I just want to specifically pray now for everybody in here. Would you just, would you just point out the thing right now that they're not believing? Where's the lie? What's the lie, God, that's actually poisoning, dirtying up, polluting the stream? 
I, I just pray that you show them what that is so they can be free from that. And God, is there anything that somebody's doing right now that you know, they just know they're not supposed to do and they're not believing you, they're not trusting you? Would you just reveal that to them right now so they can say yes to you? So that the dam can break and so that the spring can well up and so that the river can flow both for them, for everyone around them, and for your honor and for your glory. We just ask that you would do that for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys. Um, now the good part comes. These next 15 to 20 minutes, you guys are going to rock, okay? And here's how. First thing we're going to do is we're going to take our offering. You know what's so cool, you guys, is the offering, if you think about this, what is the offering? The offering is an outflow. Guys, guys come forward. Guys, come forward. The, out, the, the greeting is just an outflow. So here's God <clears throat> continuing to bless us with finances and certain means. And what the offering is, is a chance for you to not just use those for yourself. And so here's a, it's a stream. Right here is a chance to be a stream instead of a swamp. And so I just want to encourage you um, to, to just take this moment. If you're visiting, just, we're just glad you're our guest. But man, if you're a follower of Christ, this is your chance where you just go, man, thank you, God. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to totally trust you that I should give a portion of what you give to me away. And here's what's so cool. You know what God does with all this money? He takes every penny that we give and he flows it out. And it's so, we, it's so Adventure Canyon can rock and our youth ministries can crank so that we can do stuff to South Salt Lake and the community so we can do stuff around the world. See, this is, this is a stream financially. And it's just a picture of what God wants to do in us. So God bless the offering. Take every dollar that's given and use it for your kingdom. Use it for your purposes. Use it to bless the world in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, and here's what I want you to do. Everybody stand up while we're taking this offering. And um, Patrick is going to lead us in some worship. And you guys, please do, please do me a favor. In these next 15 minutes, don't just sing these songs. We did a whole series on musical worship. Remember this. This first song is going to say, fill us up. Fill us up. Here's your chance right now to be honest with God, to engage your heart with him, to engage your mind with him. Take the words of these songs and cry them out to God and let his spirit right now, right now, his spirit can flood your soul. It can well up within you as you worship him and as you surrender to him, even as we sing. All right? So let's do it together.